We as Christians never know who is watching what we are doing. There's people in this world that know you are a follower of Christ and they're waiting for you to do something that doesn't seem very biblical. And the moment that happens, the moment we act out and we're not considerate and we're not gentle, that person is calling us hip- hypocrites. They're saying Christians, they, they, they preach these things, they ask people to do these things, they ask people to live like Jesus, but I know a Christian who's living just like I am not considerate, not compassionate, not gentle. So we never know who's watching. So Paul reminds us very clearly, let everyone, everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Welcome to the PC Youth Podcast. This is our last message in the series on the book of Philippians. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at the instructions Paul has given us on what it looks like to live out the Christian life. We wrap up the series looking at Philippians 4, so grab your Bibles, something to write with, as we hear this week's message from Pastor Spencer. So we've read and studied and we learned several things, and now the question tonight for us is, how are we going to respond and carry on what Paul has instructed us to do? Paul existed in a dark, sinful world, in prison, writing the book of Philippians just as we do. We didn't write the book of Philippians, but we exist in a very dark and sinful world. Paul wrote it then. The, the world was no better than it is now. Maybe a little bit better, but it was no better than it is now. Who's laughing a lot? We made a deal. It's okay. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. We did make a deal, though. Everyone say, we made a deal. Okay. So when the... This is going off the rails. When the world isn't destined for life, this is a question I have for you tonight. The lights are going to go off in just a little bit. But when the, when the world is de- isn't destined for life, when the world that we live in is actually destined for death, how do we as Christians continue living sacrificially for the Lord? How do we as Christians continue to sacrificially live for Jesus, follow him and what he's told us to do? Throughout the last three chapters, Paul has been clear in what it looks like to live out the Christian life. He loved the Philippian people. He loved the Philippian church. He helped plant it in Philippi, the first ever church in Europe. He loved these people, but he still felt the need to give instruction to remind them what it means to be a Jesus follower. So how do, how do we sacrificially give of ourselves to be better followers of Christ? He has used, Paul has used his life as an example for what it means to press on in his faith, in our faith. If anyone had it rough, it was him. A lot of you know Paul's story. We don't have time to get into the entirety of it tonight, but if anyone had it rough, it was him. He wrote this book in prison, in chains. But still, he looked past his inconveniences and he was a light for the gospel. Now tonight, as we look out at the conclusion of Paul's letter, what can we be reminded of? Dear Jesus, I thank you for this great moment. God, there's so much excitement in the room. God, there's so much expectancy in the room. And God, I believe that you are here with us because you wanna meet with us, you have big plans for what you wanna do in our lives. And God, so in this moment, any distraction we let go of, God, we focus in on you. We focus in on what you would have to say, what your word would speak, and we are excited for all that you're gonna do in our lives. Everybody said this, amen. So open with me your Bibles to Philippians chapter four. If you have them, show them to me. How many Bibles are in the room? Uh, pretty soon a bell will have one on his iPad, any translation he wants. But show me the Bibles in the room. Open with me to Philippians chapter four. Before we start tonight, before we dig in, let's remember, this is a good reminder for us, let's remember that this letter to the Philippians, 
Paul did not write it just for a few people. It wasn't a private letter. It wasn't a letter that he was writing to just the leaders of the church or for, for specific people. Paul was writing it for everybody in that community. He was writing it for the church, for its elders, for its leaders, for the people, for the people in the community. He wrote it publicly. So that's a reminder for us that, that instructions on how to follow Jesus are not just for some people. It's not just for those that we may think need to know who Jesus is more. Instruction on how to follow Jesus is for everybody because we all have ways that we can better be followers of him. Do you guys agree with that tonight? What a reminder that is for us. Now, Paul is going to start his conclusion of this letter, his final greetings. So he's written three chapters, exclaiming and proclaiming the things of the Lord. Now he's leaving and he's concluding his letter. But this was more than just a few quick reminders, and we're going to find out that tonight. This is Paul actually pleading with us in the Philippians to live apart from the world and for Jesus. So go with me down chapter 4 to verse 4 and read with me. It says this, Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Tonight we are reminded very early on from the teachings of Paul that we as Christians are called to always be filled with the joy of the Lord. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter where we, at, we are at in our walk, we are always called to be full of the joy of the Lord. How many of you heard this statement before? The joy of the Lord is our strength. We as Christians are called to be joy-filled people. Just as Paul demonstrated for us, we are called to rejoice and worship God even when we are pressured, even when we are in chains, just as he literally was. <clears throat> Paul like I've said a few times already, wrote this book, lived a, a good portion of his life in prison for the gospel. Because of the good news of Jesus, he was, because of him proclaiming the good news of Jesus, he was in chains. And even amidst being in prison and suffering and sp experiencing trial, Paul was an example of what it looks like to be full of the joy of the Lord. We are called to, to rejoice always, to worship no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. What a reminder that is for us tonight. Go down with me to verse five. It says, don't worry. Oh, sorry, that was verse six. Verse five says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Did you know that we as Christians are supposed to carry the posture, the attitude, the, the, the embodiment of Christ? We're supposed to follow and to, to strive with everything in us to be as much like him as possible. It's not actually possible because he, is, he was perfect and we are not. But we are called to follow him in the way he lived. We're called to be considerate people. That's a hard position for us to hold if we're being honest. It's hard for us to constantly be considerate and to constantly be gentle and to constantly carry mercy. Because we live in a world that is against us. It's against Christians even sometimes we experience issues within relationships within the, within the church and people we love. It's a hard position to constantly carry, if we're being honest. But just as Jesus did, he walked perfectly, considerate, compassionate, caring, and gentle with everybody he encountered. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Because this is, this is what God spoke to me when I was preparing for this this evening. We're called to, to live considerate and compassionate because we as Christians never know who's watching. We as Christians never know who is watching what we are doing. There's people in this world that know you are a follower of Christ and they're waiting for you to do something that doesn't seem very biblical. And the moment that happens, the moment we act out and we're not considerate and we're not gentle, that person 
is calling us hip- hypocrites. They're saying Christians, they, they, they preach these things, they ask people to do these things, they ask people to live like Jesus, but I know a Christian who's living just like I am, not considerate, not compassionate, not gentle. So we never know who's watching. So Paul reminds us very clearly, let everyone, everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Suffering tests our gentleness. Suffering tests our compassion. But the Lord is nearby. He is coming back soon. I don't know if you knew that or not. Jesus is coming back soon. We have the promise of heaven to look forward to. And carry the, the, the attitude of Christ as much as you can. What a reminder that is. Read verse 6 with me. Verse 6 and 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I love this verse. I didn't read all of it yet, but this, this first part, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Did you hear what Paul said? Pray about everything. He said, pray about everything. He didn't say pray about some things. He didn't say pray about things that you care about more than than others. He said, pray about everything. Nothing is too small or too big for God. This little circumstance that you might be facing and and you might feel like you can handle it on your own and you might think, oh, it's too small for God. I don't want to waste his time. Paul said, pray about everything. Nothing is too small. In this situation that's so big and so ginormous and so massive that you feel like, I'm never, I'm never going to conquer this. I'm never going to come through this situation. Why waste my time praying? Paul said, pray about that thing. Pray about everything and then in turn worry about nothing. We live in a world full of worry, full of anxiety. And my question is, what percentage of our worldly population is constantly praying about everything? If, if, if Paul tells us to pray, for everything, pray about everything, then we should worry about nothing. Obviously, we live in a world that is not full of prayer. And that's scary to me tonight. It, it, was, it was a reminder to me that when I am worrying, when I, when I am worrying about something small or something big, it probably means because I'm not praying about that thing enough or at all. Bring your worries, bring your anxieties, bring your troubles to the Lord through prayer, and he will give peace. So the second part of that, verse 6 and 7, it says, you will experience God's peace when you do these things. It exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Bring your worries, your anxieties, everything, every trouble you could experience to the Lord through prayer, and he'll, he'll give you peace. It's a promise, Paul's told us. We are promised peace far beyond what we could imagine. We hear a lot in culture, like, if you could have anything in this world, one thing, what would it be? And a lot of people would say, peace, I want world peace. Like, that's a very common, popular thing even to say. I want world peace. Imagine having peace beyond our own understanding. Like, we could imagine what world peace looks like in our human minds, but Paul tells us that that when we pray about everything and worry about nothing, we will have peace beyond our understanding. Can you imagine that? That's something I desire for my life. I'm not there. I don't think any of us are, but that's something we should desire. Thank God for the way he's provided in our lives, from the things he's brought us through. Don't forget that. Never forgot what, what, where you were and where God has led you to, because we're all different than we were a year ago. We were probably more worried than we are now. 
But don't forget where God has led you to and where you're at now. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing because peace is promised to us. So tonight, I want to say these few things. Following and acting, obviously, Paul's given us, he's reminded us, that these are maybe conclusions of things that he talked about earlier in this book, in this letter. He's reminded us, reminded us wow, I cannot speak. I'm too excited. He's reminded us of these things in the conclusion of this letter. So following and acting upon these instructions from Paul, it takes discipline. Discipline is not a popular word in culture today. Following and acting upon Chris Coda, the general dude. Did you, go, did you guys know that guy's name is the general? It literally is, the general. Look at him. He is. Thank you, Chris. Following and acting upon the instructions of Paul, it requires discipline, and discipline is not popular. It's hard to build discipline. It's hard to be disciplined. I'm not even talking about like reading your Bible or whatever. I'm just talking about in general, being disciplined, building disciplines is very hard. So to follow and act upon what Paul has told us, it requires us to be disciplined. And you might say, well, Spencer, I'm not a disciplined person, so I can't do that. The reward, though, is perfect. The reward is heaven. The reward is peace. Following and acting upon these things, it takes discipline. Yes, we live in an atmosphere, a world that feels like it's constantly pulling us backwards, but a disciplined relationship with Jesus will propel you forward. It doesn't just push you forward. A disciplined life, a disciplined, devoted life towards Jesus will propel you forward. Because all of us will agree tonight, we live in a culture that feels like it's always tugging on us, pulling us back to where we were. If you're disciplined to follow Jesus and the things of him, you will be propelled forward because he is great, he is perfect, he is merciful. We will be propelled forward. Discipline leads to breakthrough. So if you're seeking breakthrough in your situation tonight, pray about it, about everything. Worry no more. Being disciplined to do these things that Paul has told us, to experience joy, to always rejoice, to do these things, it's a disciplined lifestyle that we must live, but there's gonna be breakthrough at the other end. The discipline, the motivation to follow Jesus, that discipline that Paul had is very attractive. The discipline to follow Jesus that Paul had, even in the middle of prison, that's very attractive, at least to me. For him to be in prison, facing probably constant persecution, and to still call on Jesus, that's impressive to me. To be in prison and to call on Jesus constantly, to write so much of our New Testament. That's, that's impressive. It would, it would have been really easy for Paul to have soaked in his suffering and his inconvenience or to dwell in his self-pity, but he did just the opposite. He recognized his weakness and called on the strength that only the Lord can provide. I think oftentimes it's easy for us to think, well, yeah, Spencer, Paul was a perfect person. He, he's a Bible character. He was perfect. It's really easy for us to think that, especially because we read so much of his teaching. He's very wise, he's experienced a lot of life, and the Lord has really transformed him. But Paul's not perfect. Paul's no different than you and I. He's human. He's sinful. He's doomed for death. He deserved death just like you and I did. Paul's not a perfect human. So it's tempting for us to think that he is, but what's so powerful about his story is that he's just like us. Just like you and me, someone that was destined for death, doomed for death, doomed for hell, and God transformed his life and used him powerfully for the spreading of the gospel. He is proof 
of a Christ-centered transformation, proof of it. And again, you can go look up Paul's story. Once Saul, now Paul. You can look up the whole story, and if you've never heard it, you'll be blown away. He's proof of a Christ-centered transformation. Worship team, will you join me up here on stage? Paul is proof that a disciplined life for Jesus is possible. So earlier you could have said, Spencer, I'm not a disciplined person. Wow, that's a big worship team. Look at all those people. Can you give it up for our worship team? It's like a a wave of people just left. They're not leaving. They're going up on stage, so you can't leave. Paul is proof that a disciplined life for Jesus is possible. And And you might have said to me, Spencer, I'm not disciplined, so I don't know how to follow those instructions that we've read. Paul did it. Paul did it. He's, a, he's an example, proof that a disciplined life for Jesus is in fact possible, no matter what trial he faces. Like we said, he had every excuse in the book to dwell in his self-pity, but he was disciplined to, to pursue the mission of Christ. Just like Paul, none of us will ever be perfect. So this is what I would say to us tonight. Let's not waste any more time. I think this ties really well into our camp theme next week, but let's not waste any more time. Let's not waste any more time trying to perfect our lives and then pursue Jesus. Because a lot of people would say that. Ah, like Spencer, I'm not really developed in my faith yet, so I can't follow him that well. Like I don't really, I haven't matured in my my spirituality, so how can you expect me to follow Jesus? Don't waste any more time. You're never going to be perfect. Paul never reached perfection. The only person to do it was Jesus. So none of us will ever do it. Don't waste any more time. Pursue him and live a disciplined lifestyle for him right now, not later, not later down the road when you've graduated or you've graduated college or you're working a full-time job and making money for your family. There's every excuse in the book to wait and to do things later and to live more for him later. Don't waste any more time. The time is now. That is our camp theme next week. The time is now for us to start stepping up to the plate. And to realize what God has called us to and to say yes to it and to be disciplined to follow it. Because the call of God is not popular. We talk about that a lot. The call that God has placed on every single one of your lives is probably not a popular one. So it's going to take discipline to follow it. The time is now. Oh, my mic. It's okay. I'm not mad. The time is now. Can you say that? The time is now. Let's not waste any more time. Follow Jesus effectively right now. Be disciplined. We're not complete until we call on Jesus as our Savior. So if you're here tonight and you're waiting to be complete and to figure out your life and to put all the pieces together, you're actually not complete until you call on Jesus fully. We're not complete without him. There's a lot of power that comes when you recognize your human incompetence. That's a big word. But when you recognize your human incompetence, incompet- I can't even say it. When you recognize your human incompetence and realize that you need to have a full desire for a competent Savior, there's a lot of power, there's a lot of freedom that comes from that. When you fully realize, God, I, I am not perfect, I am nowhere near who you are, I am not perfect in any way, but I realize that you sent a perfect Son, a perfect Jesus, a perfect Savior and I desire him. There's a lot of power when that comes because then you've really lifted a large weight off of your shoulders. You've lifted this weight where the world would say you have to be perfect, you have to do everything this way, you have to 
go to this school, you have to graduate with this career, you have to do all these things. You've lifted a weight when you finally say, Lord, I'm not perfect, I'm not gonna fulfill my perfect plan, but I'm devoted to fulfill your plan. There's a lot of weight that is lifted. You no longer carry this burden of being perfect from worldly standards. You get to serve a competent savior who's gonna, in turn, allow you to fulfill your plan, his plan for your life. The time is now. The fruit of a disciplined life in Christ is great. We've seen it. Paul, one of the greatest missionaries in existence, not a perfect person by any means, killed Christians, let's not forget. But Paul, transformed by Jesus, then one of the greatest missionaries, one of the greatest church planters in history, is a great example of what a disciplined life for Christ looks like. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't anything special. He was a human dude. But he's a great example of what a disciplined life, what the fruit of that looks like. It's evident in this room today. We talk a lot about Paul. I love Paul. I'm excited to meet Paul. But there's fruit of a disciplined life in Jesus in this room. A lot of you, many of you have said yes to this. You've said yes to following what Jesus has for you. You've said yes to the plan that he's placed on your life. Even if you don't like it, a lot of you have said yes to this. There's many of you in this room that have accepted, said yes to a call of ministry on your life. And let me just say this out of experience. Doing full-time ministry is not necessarily a popular thing. It's not what the world would desire for you. It's not even that you don't make that much money. Like, it's not like this big, like, oh, I really want to be in full-time ministry and suffer and, and really try to win people for Jesus. Like, it's a hard job. But many of you in this room, because you live a disciplined life for Jesus, many of you in this room have said, yeah, that actually may not be what I want to do with my life. Oh, but I know it's what God wants for my life. So I say yes. Many of you have made that decision. And I commend you for that. I really do. Many of you have said, yeah, I really wanted to go this way with my life. I wanted to do, do these things with these people and party with those people and mess around on weekends. But I know that's not what God has for me. So I say yes to what he has for me. A lot of you have made that decision and I commend you for it. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to make those big decisions in a culture that would not necessarily say that's popular. When we are disciplined to model our lives after Jesus, we are more joyful. I see that all over this room. I see joy-filled followers of Christ, joy-filled students. When we model our lives after Jesus, we worship more. Did you see how you were worshiping tonight? Worship team was killing it. They were slaying. But I looked across this room and there were students all over with their hands lifted to heaven, worshiping their heavenly father who created them. That takes discipline. It takes discipline to, to get out of your comfort zone and to finally get your hand in the air. It takes discipline, but there's a room full of students who are willing to be disciplined for Jesus. It's not easy, but it's worth it. And let me just say this. I'm thankful to be a part of a group of students that is willing to live a disciplined life for Jesus, just as Paul has instructed us. I love this. We're going to finish up and we're going to worship one more time and we're going to have small groups. But read what verse 8 and 9 says. Paul says, and, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
He said, think about, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How many of you know that our minds can lead us in a lot of different directions? We can think about not good things and be surrounded then by not good things. Or we can think about the things of the Lord and experience joy and worship and, and, and praise for him. Our minds can lead us in a lot of different, different directions, but when we focus on the things of God, we actually possess the mindset of Jesus. Because Jesus thought about what was lovely, what was admirable, what was right, what was pure, what was honorable. He thought about those things. So when you fix your mind onto those things, just as Paul has told us, you carry the mindset of Jesus. Our minds can lead us into a lot of different directions that can shape our lives. What we think about, what we spend our time and our thoughts, it will shape your life. So why not, let, why not shape your life after the things of Jesus? Why not think about the things of him? I love that from Paul. Verse nine says this, keep putting into practice all you learned from me and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Paul, the greatest missionary, said, keep doing what I've told you. Stand firm, follow after Jesus, model your life after him, and you will experience the peace of the Lord. God is with us. Will you stand with me tonight? I love worship. I love spending time in worship, and I love God's word, and I think the two are a really good combination. The presence of the living God is in this room tonight. And I know he's here to meet with you. He's here to, to impact your heart. He's here to impact your life. And I think, I think maybe there's some students in this room tonight that are recognizing areas of your life that you may actually not be that disciplined. You actually may not be as disciplined as you thought in your Bible time, in your alone time with God. Maybe you're not as disciplined in focusing on the things of him rather than culture. Maybe you're not as disciplined in giving your time to the Lord. I mean, this is a room full of middle schoolers and high schoolers. I would be blown away if every single one of you, every single one of us in this room were a perfect discipline, disciplined follower of Jesus. None of us are. So I think some of you in here, the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and saying, yeah, I need more of your time. I need more of your discipline in this era of your life. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna worship one more song and the worship team is gonna kill it like they always do. And I want us to worship. Worship like we've never worshiped before. If that means come up front, go to the sides, find your space, whatever that means for you, do it. Don't distract your neighbor to the left or your right. We're going to worship together. To stay caught up with everything happening with PC Youth, check us out on Instagram at peopleschurchyouth or go to peopleschurch.com.